Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Giant. Over there to my actual left is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing pretty well today. We got a very special episode of ARR prepared for you guys today. We're very excited. We have a special guest, Chris Rose from <laughs> John Boy Media, formerly of MLB Network, uh, is joining us today. Yeah, I mean, uh, as of the recording, we have already done it. So we can tell you. It was actually a very it was a very good interview. It was. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh he he answered some very thought-provoking questions, gave some good answers, and yeah. uh well, it was just very cool. I mean, he's kind of like he's kind of just the same guy that you see on MLB Network and on John Boy. Yeah, I mean, really the the nicest person. I mean, I mean that's why he's doing something like this uh in terms of, you know, being a guest uh for, you know, gave us a great 30 minutes and I think what people will find pretty interesting from him was uh you know his perspective on uh major league baseball and and how they conduct media and how sometimes they're a little late to the game on things you know like with uh with podcasting so i think that you know definitely uh definitely looking forward to and uh one shout out we need to make is uh chris cotillo of masslive.com beat reporter for the red sox uh, he hosts these uh, uh, Zoom uh, Zoom workshops for aspiring sports writers or aspiring sports media people. Daniel and I both did it uh, in August, and uh, Chris Rose spoke at that, and we loved that, and we were like, we need to get Chris Rose on the podcast. And uh, Daniel uh, asked Catillo for Chris Rose's contact, and uh, Chris Catillo cooperated. So without him, none of this would have been possible. And, uh, yeah, we thank him very much for that. And we're probably going to have him on the podcast at some point. I uh, just don't know. Just don't know when, but it will be happening probably in the near future. So a uh, shout out to Chris Cotillo for this one. And I guess, uh, I guess since we've prefaced it, we'll just, we'll just get right into we'll it, just right? Get right into Why that not? interview. So here is our interview with Chris Rose. All right. And we are joined by someone who obviously i mean if you're clicking on this you're probably clicking for for this man in particular and not us so uh i mean he probably needs no introduction but you may know him from his days on the best damn sports show uh intentional talk and now uh with his uh with his new company john boy media on the chris rose rotation and baseball today with trevor plouffe chris rose how you doing today i'm doing great guys how are you I'm doing well. You know, I and miss. By the way, don't sell yourselves short. They're they're clicking on it for you. I mean, you at least probably have some family and friends that are doing it. I would okay, hope so. so. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. some professors, some family friends. Yeah, we got a couple. Okay, good. Good. Well, greetings and, and welcome to all the family members, the friends, and the professors as well. <laughs> yeah, shout out to uh yeah, shout out to all of them. 
and you know our professors marty kyle amy maybe maybe fadi is listening to yeah uh <laughs> but uh, very weird to be to hear an introduction with you that's not uh with accompanied by a pinball machine or by a circus i will say yeah though those were uh those were always good things we tried to um we tried to freshen things up occasionally with with intentional talk. Uh, I think I probably liked the the pinball intro the most. Um, you know, the last one we did, kind of the spy feeling was fun. That was a good fun shoot we had. The circus, you know, people were like, wow, did you really get near a lion? Like, <laughs> no. It was green screened in. It was pretty obvious. You know, I like, I play it safe, um, but those are always fun. Those are always fun little shoots we get to do in this biz. Like they're like, did you like have a stunt double or something? Like, were yeah, you worried right. the lion was going to eat you? Like, no, no, I was, I was always good. The only time I ever thought I would need a stunt double was the first season I did BattleBots, which for people that aren't familiar with that show, you have you guys seen it? I've, I've heard a few things. I haven't taken too deep of a look into it, but... Uh, All right, well, we're, we're going to have to get in the interview right now. If you don't watch BattleBots, <laughs> I can't talk to you. Uh, basically, you, it's, it's a pair of 250-pound uh, robots fighting in, in inside of a bulletproof glass cube. Oh and, yeah, th these things have blades that are spinning at 250 miles an hour. As I mentioned, each robot's 250 pounds, so there's a lot of force, um, a lot of interesting scientific stuff that i don't exactly understand going on but all i know is that bulletproof glass cube is very very important and very safe but i'm calling the the fights with my man kenny florian a former ufc fighter and the only thing that's separating ourselves from these blades of a tip speed of 250 miles an hour is a bulletproof glass cube that's one and a quarter inches thick and the first time i was there i was like are you guys sure this is really safe they're like, listen, I could stand on the other side of this thing with an M16 shoot it at you and you'd be okay. I was like, no, I'm going to have my body double take care of that one. Let's <laughs> see if it really works. Well, I'll take a word on, on that, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't imagine uh, something like that. Um, and the la last thing with the intentional talk intro, which one was your favorite song to come into? Probably How You Like Me Now. I think that one was the one because i forget which business used it in an advertising campaign so every time i heard it and it was playing during like seemingly every baseball game i was like oh my god am i late for my show what's going on here i heard so that I probably song, like, like that why which one did you guys like best i mean i it's i feel like it's always got to be the ones we grow up with chris and i we grew up with the pinball machine we grew up with how you like me now it has to be that one like that's yeah i heard that song recently and like my mind automatically just goes to intentional talk yeah, I think that's fair. You know, it takes us back to a better, happier time. Yeah, if there's exactly. such a thing. It takes me back to like when it was what five p.m. on a weekday. I was procrastinating my homework. Like I was like, I'll sit down here for an hour, listen to this, yeah. and then I'll procrastinate some more. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, from, from uh, kids your age. Mm -hmm. So uh, I apologize to all the professors who, um, you know, couldn't get to grading the homework because kids were delinquent because of our show it's more like it's more like the times i was falling asleep in class because i stayed up late doing homework because Got i it. started okay. late yeah heard a few of those too yep yeah you can you can join a, a growing list there but I'm, I'm happy to provide a little bit of entertainment that's what we tried to do over 10 years 
yeah it was it was truly yeah something we we all look forward to for uh you know those weekdays and uh you know unfortunately obviously it uh had to come to an end but you know what was the process of going you know to jump john boy media you know an entirely different media setup not on tv going into more of the internet realm what was kind of the process after we knew you know mlb network was was no longer going to be happening well you know i knew i wanted to stay in baseball and there aren't too many avenues to go i mean espn has made cuts over the years uh fox um is minimizing its baseball coverage uh it seems like every year as well and uh you know, a place like John Boy, I'd known Jimmy and Jake for a few years. Uh, I was a big believer in their product. Um, I'm a believer in who they are and what they represent. And even more so now that since I've been with them for the last seven months or so. Uh, it's not that streaming is the future of where we're going. It's the present. I mean, this is how not only young people, but people my age are consuming their media. You know, they want to be able to walk around and have it on demand and they want to be able to have it, the truth be told, and they want to be able to have um, no corporate strings attached. That's a real, you know, authenticity is is really important in our world of where you're getting your entertainment and where you're getting your opinions from. And I think it's really important to not have an agenda. Um and to just speak freely. It has been very, very liberating. I mean, I loved my decade at MLB Network. There's no question about it. Uh, I miss a lot of the people there because they're they're family and friends now. Uh, but what I've been able to gain at, at a place like John Boy, and my relationship is, is growing and changing with these guys every day, is the fact that um, I could tell the truth. You know, there were a handful of times while at MLB Network I was told we can't do that story. You know, it's going to piss off an owner. It's going to, you know, and for the most part, I will say this throughout most of my tenure there, our bosses took a lot of bullets for us. Like they would get calls from certain teams. Hey, why are you beating up on our team? Why are you saying that? And it wasn't always our show, but other shows on the network. And they would say, Hey, listen, these are their guys opinion. And sometimes, you know, things aren't not every team good. You don't have all 30 teams go 81 and 81. There are great teams and there are shitty teams. And so what are we supposed to be like? Hey, congratulations on winning 58 games. Like that was awesome. You guys tried really hard. No, this is, this is major league baseball. This is big boy sports and big time business. And if you're not doing things the right way, you're going to get called out occasionally. Some teams <laughs> had, got real sensitive about that. Do you feel like in some way, some of your shows were almost held back by the fact that you couldn't say stuff like that? Like, do you think, you yeah. know, obviously everyone loved that tea. Like, do you think there could have been more there if rules like that didn't exist? Well, I mean, I, I will say this. There's a few rules I live by in, the, in this business. I try to. Um, I don't make things personal. Very rarely have I ever gone after a player or an executive uh, and made it personal. I just don't believe in it. I think that if people make mistakes, they make mistakes. There's been a handful of times. I thought the Houston Astros totally botched the issues in the 2019 World Series. I thought they were wrong. 
I thought they should have stood up and said, we screwed up with, with, with the way we handled things in our clubhouse uh, in front of several female media members. Um, they let AJ Hinch, they let him hang out to dry on that. I thought it was horrible. I thought the Astros again, after the cheating scandal did not handle things the right way. I thought the, um, fortunately a lot of this has to do with the Astros, but I thought them trading for Roberto Osuna when he was serving a 75 game suspension, I believe it was for his wrongdoing in a domestic violence issue. Uh, them still trading for him while he was on there because they knew it was an easy get from the Toronto Blue Jays. I thought that was a joke. Uh, those are the only times I can remember where I really felt like it sounded personal because I thought that they, they made some bad, bad decisions. With all that being said, Intentional Talk was a light, player-friendly show where people could feel comfortable coming on the program. And that's what we... I'm never going to apologize for that. People are like, well, you're not asking hard hitting questions. Well, no shit, right? You can go at other places for that. You can go watch Brian Gumble and real sports. They do an amazing job. Amazing. I watch it all the time. Uh, outside the lines on ESPN, hard hitting sports journalism. There's a time and place for that. That's not what we wanted to be about. We wanted to be able to show that there was another side to baseball players. And I felt like we've done that better. We did that better than anybody in the history of baseball. Our show for 10 years did it better than anyone. And now it's opened it up for hopefully podcasts like the Chris Rose rotation to continue to show that baseball players are more than just guys that talk about a three, two slider. Yeah. Would you say with John boy media and your, you know, freedom to say, what you want. You're, you're really maxing out and doing everything you want to do with baseball media. Yeah, I think we're getting there. You know, I think the hard thing is sometimes getting teams to understand the importance of, of giving us player access. They're used to an old school mentality, right? And this is where, in my opinion, baseball has screwed up over the years. They have bought into the, the fact that it is strictly a regional sport. So they are going to treat their uh, columnists, their local columnists, their local TV people, their local radio people much differently than they normally treat national media and growing streaming companies like ourselves. Uh, I think that we are breaking down more and more walls as we speak each and every day. People understand the importance of a place like John Boy Media in growing the game because that's what we want to do. We're not here to take shots at guys. Very rarely will you hear that on our on any of our podcasts. You won't hear it very often in Jimmy's breakdowns. We just want to show the fun side of it. So you know, as more and more, and I think more and more teams are kind of understanding that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniel, do you want to ask something? Yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've talked about the rotation a lot and uh, you know, just getting into just the fun part of the league. If you could handpick any active player to add to the Chris Rose rotation, you know, you have Tyler Glass now, Lucas Giolito, Miguel Rojas, several other names. If you could add one name of your choosing, who would you pick? 
Well, I don't, I don't want to give it out yet because maybe we haven't decided what we're going to do with the rotation next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say this, that there's been a ton of great, great interviews this year. So I'd rather focus on that in terms of, you know, I mean, Joey Votto, I've always loved interviewing him and he gave me 40 solid minutes on a game day. You know, we had a great, great discussion on everything. I mean, his home run streak, whether or not he felt like he could get it back after a couple of years with which he really struggled, how he got out of, you know, his, his baseball depression, if you will, you know, how it, how he kind of turned the corner with that. Um, you know, his teammate Nick Castellanos was great because he's got no filter. He will say anything at any time. Um, Stephen Vogt has always been one of my favorite interviews. Always. And uh, yeah, he was very honest and, and open. Um, and, and that's the thing. A lot of these guys... I'd love to dive into their journey because it's everything's so different. Not everybody grows up being Bryce Harper or Mike Trout where you're born into superstardom where like people know they're going to make it. So many of these stories, even the latest one with Salvador Perez talks about how he left home for the first time at age 16, got on a plane and cried his eyes out because he didn't know what he was doing. He begged his mom, please, I want to go home now you know, 13 years later or whatever it is, he has the single season home run record for a catcher. It's pretty damn good. And all we see is that all we see is Salvador Perez 2015 world series MVP. We don't know his story about leaving Venezuela, you know, where his mom used to bake cakes for a living so that they could have this little place to live. And now he might be arguably the second most popular Kansas City Royal ever. Like, I'm really fascinated by the journeys, and, and hopefully that's what kind of separates the Rose rotation from elsewhere. Yeah, those, I mean, those stories out of, like, Venezuela and the, and the Dominican Republic were those those international signings where you're getting signed at 16 and leaving home are, are just the craziest things. Yeah, um, they are. Are you – so with the Chris Rose rotation, would you consider like retired players or would that kind of go against kind of the story you're trying to uh, purvey? Well, I think it's a good question. Um, and I don't think you have to fit it into a, you don't have to peg it a certain way. I mean, the nice thing is, is that it's active players. So we're checking in on their journey about every two and a half to three weeks throughout the year. Um, you know, and then at the end of the season, we'll evaluate what what did we do well? Where do we need to get better as a show? Uh, how can I help John Boy Media improve? Um, because I know it's a, it's a lot for people to sit through 45 minutes to an hour of talk. It's not always easy. You might not have time. Um, you might not have the interest. Maybe you won a 20 minute conversation. We have to we have to figure out what works best. But I do think that there's so many interesting people. And I think that the sport hasn't done a good enough job introducing us to the people inside the uniforms. And that's where hopefully we come in handy. How do you think this all looks, say, five years from now? Because, I mean, if we if we look five years in the past, John Boy Media was not a thing. A lot of the big, you know, these big like independent 
uh, baseball platforms didn't really exist. It's more people building their own products. How do you think we look at this another five years from now? It's a great question. If I could get ahead of it, I'd be a really rich guy. Um, right. If you had told me five years ago, I would have my own podcast on John Boy Media, I would have been like, nah, I don't <laughs> think so. Now, I'd, I'll tell you this. I started a podcast with Kevin three years ago, four years ago. MLB wanted no part of it. No part of it. They were like, fine, go do your thing. We're not going to help you get guests. Um, we're not going to promote it. I begged them to put it on MLB.com. They said no. They just didn't want it. They were like, it's your thing. If you want to do it, you can go do it. And uh, which I thought was too bad because I thought, we, you know, you continue the intentional talk brand and you continue to grow it. But they didn't see it that way. And now they're trying to throw a bunch of podcasts at the wall and hoping they fit and they stick when they could have, in my opinion, built something when it needed to be built three or four years ago. Now they're playing catch up and I wish them luck. I hope it works out for them. I, I don't really know the people that are doing those podcasts, but I know why John Boy Media has got a bunch of the most popular ones out there because people enjoy it. They want to laugh. They want to have fun. I think they kind of trust where we're coming from and they know we're not corporate. Well, shocking that MLB is a little late to the game there on the uh, podcast. Yeah. And listen, I've got a lot of really good friends still there and I'm not here to, to beat on them, but at the same time, it is a, it is a slow changing sport. And I know it's not easy to, to cut through a lot of red tape. I get that, man. It's just like, sometimes you gotta go. You just have to change things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to, uh, as that one or do yeah. uh, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, I mean, we've been saying for years, like it's been a national topic about MLB having a marketing problem. And it's almost like, it almost just feels like it's tired at this point because we've been talking about it for so long, but you bring yeah, up stuff is. like that. And it's like, we can't not talk about it. Like we're, you know, one of the, one of the hit shows on MLB network and they're refusing to, to expand beyond it. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, as I said, when I left, um, you know, I've been in big business for decades, so I understand it. You know, everybody's got a budget and everybody's got a boss. They have to uh, report to, and that's okay. You know, is it the way I would have done it? No. Um, but it's not until it's called the Chris Rose network. I don't have a say in it. So that that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, and I, Listen, that's the way a lot of networks work. They just do. They, they don't always do things, uh, in my opinion, the right way. Uh, I don't think that there's... I think some executives are really afraid to take certain leaps uh, because they're not strong enough. And um, that's my opinion on it. I just I, I think there's a way to lead people. And we, we need more leaders that are willing to take chances instead of say, well, that's just not the way we've always done it. 
Like that's not, I tell my two kids who are almost 21 and 16. I was like, that is never an acceptable response. Well, it's not the way we've done it. That is no, uh-uh. Now you might not hear at the end of the day what you want to hear, but there's no way I'm going down fight. Yeah. Without a fight. If I hear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we talk about things evolving things, uh, you know, on the business side, but also, you know, with, you know, statistically we've kind of advanced and that's one of the themes of our show is, you know, talking about the advanced statistics and trying to, you know, be ahead of everyone else. So, you know, as you've covered sports, especially baseball for, you know, around 25 years, uh, how have you utilized the uh, evolution of statistics and where do you kind of draw the line with advanced statistics? Well, there's no question that, um, you know, I think you kind of pick and choose what you feel is important to you. And you can't just go by um, straight saber metrics to determine the worth of a player, in my opinion. I think you're selling yourself and the human element of it short. You just are. I mean, Kevin Millar was a decent ball player metrically. He did some things very well. Uh, he always had a solid on base percentage until the last couple of crappy years in Baltimore and Toronto. Uh, but his, his worth was something that you couldn't print out on a stat sheet. He could talk to everybody in the locker room and not everybody can like, and people don't understand that, that there are factions within a locker room and uh, not everybody gets along. But Kevin had the ability to walk from one side of the clubhouse to the other and speak the same language as everyone. Like, how do you put a dollar value on that? How do you, I don't know. But I know that there's nothing that can be computed based on Saber metrics that tells me what Kevin Millar was worth back then. So, yeah, I mean, it's not fantasy baseball because it's still played by humans. You don't know how certain guys are feeling every day. It's why when these pregame plans are drawn up by the front offices and saying, okay, if in this situation uh, this guy is hitting, then we'll go to this pitcher and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. I respect it. But at the end of the day, the manager has to be able to look into his player's eyes and say, is he ready for it? Is he having a bad day? Did he have a bad day with his family? Is he, is he there a hundred percent? Because everything that's computed in baseball world factors out the human side of things. But at the end of the day, there's days where I wake up, I'm in a shitty mood. You know, something might be going on with my family or maybe I'm not feeling a hundred percent or I didn't have a great day yesterday. So you can't expect the same performance out of me every day because there are variables in my life that'll change. So I respect the hell out of sabermetrics. I think it has helped our game significantly in helping to determine the value of some players at certain times, but not all, but not all. 
You're absolutely right. Like Chris mentioned, you know, we try to always, we try to look at things through the sabermetric lens as much as we can, but like the human element is there. And I feel like a lot of people just because, you know, you mentioned we can't put a dollar amount on what Kevin Millar is worth. And I feel like that's why a lot of people try to stay out of it, but like it is, it is very much there and it is something that you just can't ignore. Well, of course it's there, but you have to determine how much value you place on it, mm-hmm. right? It should be a tool, just like your eyes should be a tool, just like your ears should be a tool, just like your heart should be a tool. It should be a part of the equation. To say it's the end-all, be-all, in my opinion, is the wrong way to look, to look at things. It just is. Right, right. Um, so as we uh, talk more about uh, advanced statistics, you know, StatCast has uh, come into the baseball world since 2015. And uh, Daniel and I actually recently had a top 10 players we wish we had StatCast for, which, is, uh, which was a pretty interesting one. So yeah. I think what we're going to ask uh, each guest, and you're the first one that we get to ask this question um, who's the number one all-time player you wish you had StatCast for? I would say maybe a guy like a Dave Winfield. He was the first guy I can remember that size who could move that gracefully. Uh, and it looked like every ball he hit was just smoked, just smoked. And, uh, he was so big and he got in the batter's box and it looked like he could cover the distance between home plate and first by just swinging the bat. So I think that probably I would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe get some numbers on, on Dave Winfield. That's a great answer. Yeah. Like I think the cliche answers are like Nolan Ryan, Babe Ruth. And like, certainly, I mean, those would be great players too, but Dave Winfield is definitely, that's definitely a unique one. And Dave Winfield is one of the, he's one of the best athletes I've ever seen play this 100%. game. I mean, it's why, you know, we always complain about Aaron judge and not staying healthy. There aren't guys that are six foot seven roaming the outfield. They just don't. And Dave Winfield did it great. And he played center field for a long time. And he had an amazing arm. Looked like he would throw the ball from the outfield and would just reach. And it would, his arm would like drop the ball in the catcher's mitt. He just looked so different than anybody else. So I don't, I'll stick with that answer. And I appreciate it. I like that one too. Kind of happy. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yeah. It's a good one, Rose. Good job. I'm happy to hear that answer. I think that's, thank uh, you. It's a good one. Um, All right. Well, that's, those are all the questions we have for you. Thank you so much. That's it. We don't, we don't have anybody, any from your, your teachers, your family, or your friends. Uh, They, I mean, this was, uh, we, we only notified a couple people about this because, you know, we wanted the element of surprise in there. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Or you were worried that I wasn't going to show up. <laughs> no, 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 no. We also didn't want to put pressure on ourselves and blow the interview. So, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I would give you guys at least a C plus, maybe a B minus if we're grading that's, on a curve. We'll, it's a passing grade. We will take that. Yeah. Right. No, no, that's good. That's okay. good. Who else are we looking forward to having on, on the podcast? Uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're contacting people, but you're, uh, you're joining a list with Jeff Passan on, on alums here. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Passan's been on. 
He has. Yes. What was it? What was his? Uh, what was his stat cast answer? Or did you not we didn't, ask him we, that? This was, this was about a year ago. Uh, oh. We didn't come up with that. Yeah, that was for, it was actually for a class of mine, but he let us go public with it. He was really cool about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, Passon's a Cleveland guy. So this is, this is what we Cleveland do. Guy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're just normal down to earth. Although he's, he's much smaller than I am. I can fit him <laughs> in my pocket. You know, he thinks he could take Ken Rosenthal down on the block and post him up, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, these these great, great little writers, you know, we got to get them in the gym at some point. Let's go. Although I hear his kid's a really good baseball player. So, you know, he's just trying to ride the coattails of his like 10 year old son. You know, it'll be like the LeVar ball of baseball. Absolutely. I could see him coming out with a sweatshirt and shoe brand just like that. Well. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, and we look forward to seeing what you have in store with John Boy Media uh, for the continuous future. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hope all the best. So a great interview with Chris Rose. I may have, I may have cut off the recording a little too soon. He said <laughs> he said he had a good time or, or something like that. Just, just trust us. Yeah, this wasn't a hostage situation. Yeah. He, 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 he seemed to enjoy himself. Yeah, we didn't blackmail him or anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just a grand old time. You know, I, I, was, a, I was a little nervous for it. Uh, I was kind of uh, – maybe at the beginning I was stuttering a little bit, but – Nah, I didn't notice. But I was, uh, I'm, I'm naturally like that sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. So now I guess we get into uh, the world of baseball as it is currently. Um, the Cardinals keep on winning. They just have won 16 in a row, and they're at 87 and 69. And I, I mentioned before the show, uh, this like if you told me the Cardinals were 87 and 69 you know, with six games left in the season before the year uh, started, if you told me that they would be in this position before the year started, uh, I'd be like, oh, they're in a very good spot. They're probably going to, like, win the division or something. Uh, you know, they'll probably have, like, a 90 or 91 win season. That, that'll that be good enough to win the NL Central. But, no, uh, actually, the Brewers <laughs> ended, ended, up, ended up clinching. Um, so, good for Milwaukee. But, I mean, uh, Cardinals – I mean, where do we go from here? Do how much of an effect do we think the momentum will will carry into one singular game against the Giants or Dodgers? It's that's probably the toughest part of it because, like, let's be honest. No matter what kind of momentum they have, they're not going to be looked at as the favorites in in this wild card game. Right. Like, I think there's like they're going to face either one of Max Serger or Kevin Gosman with probably Wainwright going, which you know. You do like that matchup for the Cardinals. I mean, you're, they're, they're certainly going to have a lot of work to do on offense, but I just don't know. Like, it's very it's very tricky. I think the Cardinals are the type of team that would go into San Francisco or Los Angeles uh, as a one, you know, facing a 100-win team and, and knocking them off. I definitely wouldn't. You can't can it out. Like, I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. But, I mean, how much can the momentum sway them? I don't know. It's. I, yeah. I mean, who have they faced? What they faced the Brewers. They faced the Cubs this weekend. They faced the Padres, who are on their downward spiral. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be really tricky to figure that one out. But, I mean, we're gonna have our answer next week for sure. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, I just clicked on the Brewers schedule. Actually. Nice. Uh, yeah. Cardinals in the stretch. I mean, it, obviously, I don't think it's listen. It doesn't matter who they've played if they've gone sixteen and zero. Like sixteen and zero is sixteen and zero. Yeah, you're not gonna feel like they're not gonna arrive at Dodger Stadium slash Oracle Park and be like, "Whoa, now, now we're in it." Because I mean, uh, mm-hmm. let's take a look at who they beat. They've beat Cincinnati, the Mets, uh, San Diego, which you know it's, it's still a decent roster. At Milwaukee, they swept them at four, and uh, that was big. That was huge. Yeah, and, uh, at Chicago. So I mean, like, and they've come from behind in so many places too. Like I swear to God, every single day it's like they're losing four games, like four to two or something like that. And then I'll just go on Twitter and I'll see like the MLB home run bottle tweet a Cardinal or like someone yeah. on MLB.com or just any national site will be like the Cardinals just don't go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they'll just pop up and and uh, do those types of things. And yeah, they've just. Uh, I mean, they've. They've made themselves a, a winning ball club in the span of about a month. I mean, I remember at the, I think we talked about it at the last episode or the, you know, a couple before that, like when the, after the trade deadline with, with the Cardinals, we were like, all right, well, they're just kind of yeah. just going to ride this season out <laughs> and just, you know, probably finishing third or fourth place. And yeah, now here we are um, for statistics on the St. Louis streak. Uh, as they have won 16 in a row. They have an 871 OPS and a 2.98 ERA. Their average slugging and OPS rank first in Major League Baseball, and their ERA ranks second in Major League Baseball behind, of course, uh, the Detroit Tigers, which was (laughs) shocking to me. (laughs) I had no idea that their pitching was I had no idea they turned into the Brewers uh, over the past 16 days or what have you. and uh, individual performances, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I mean, really, just uh, kind of a comeback season in in its own in 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 in, in its own season. Uh, hitting 383 with a 1322 OPS over this uh, streak. Tyler O'Neill, a former How About That, 313 with a 1029 OPS during the streak. And Harrison Bader, who has been uh, all over the uh, players to highlight, he is hitting 400 with an 1179 OPS in this streak. Um, so, I mean, every, everything is clicking. You can't see yeah. it's really... Like, the bullpen and the starting rotation, too. You mentioned the whole team being second in ERA. Like, that's that goes for the starters and the relievers. Like, there's no particular, like, heavy, strong favorite over, over those two where it's like one of them's carrying all the weight. Right, exactly. It's not like a... Yeah, it's not like a thing where... Uh, but if the bullpen comes in or, uh, you know, you got you to gotta have that starter go through four innings or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really one or the other. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of ideal. I mean, I guess there are those people that are going to say, you know, you're getting these wins at the wrong time. And normally this I, is the right time. Yeah. But like if you were, if this was happening a month ago, maybe there's a case for that, but this is, I mean, this is the best time. If you're going to pick a time in the season to have a 16 game win streak, this would be it. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, you have your streak, and then once you get into the playoffs, that's when you stop streaking. But uh, I don't know. It's that that's that's the situa- a myth. The situation differs. That's, that's every such time. a myth. Yeah. Um. So, and luckily for the Cardinals, also is they're pro- they're not going to be fighting for this uh, spot yeah. as the season ends. So they're going to be able to handpick who they want pitching in that wild card game. Yeah, they are. Like they like they already know that you know the Brewers clinched the division. 
Um, the you know they've already clinched the NOS has already clinched home field in the wild card. They just have to clinch their playoff spot, and they know exactly what they're doing. They don't have to fight for anything. Uh, you know, they might still be playing to keep the streak alive, but I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be putting out the the opening day lineup or the game, the wild card lineup the day after clinching. Like, I just, yeah, I, hard, I hard to picture that happening. Exactly. Uh, currently, they are six up on the Cardinals, and yeah, the magic numbers on who? On the uh, oh, they're they're uh, <laughs> six up on the Reds. Uh, who have, I guess, red uniforms. So I guess that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's obviously why I thought Same it. difference. Um, yeah, both the uh, Reds and the Phillies are one game away from being eliminated by the uh, Cardinals. The Reds are winning 11-1 to against the Pirates right now. So um, that's not going to happen today. Yeah. And, and there's only five games on the docket today. So not, there's not, not going to be much movement in the – playoff picture other than like A's and Mariners correct correct uh so yeah Cardinals uh Cardinals just keep on doing it uh I guess in that wild card game they'll try to have Wainwright out there he's you're gonna have to man that playoff rotation is gonna be very interesting <laughs> here comes Jay Happ for game three yeah I mean you can't say you don't have playoff experience yeah that's true john can you imagine john lester just turning into like 2013 playoffs vintage like i almost want to i'm almost i'm almost rooting for that i wanted to hear me out should they have john lester start the wild card game based on his playoff experience i mean i mean yeah if if wainwright wasn't on that wasn't on that staff who also had like playoff experience i would be fully advocating for john lester <laughs> let's see it yeah because yeah i mean he's lester's been nails in the playoffs but but yeah wainwright let has me see also how has he nails. been doing lately because i'm pretty sure his numbers have been a lot better as of late i know his era is down i don't know about the fip which... uh well i mean he's probably not striking guys out but that's all right yeah yeah his fip is five two nine with the cardinals over a four one three era right um but I mean, it would be hilarious if he just if he just turned back into like 2013 John Lester. Uh, yes. Over his last, let's see. He has a 2.26 ERA over his last seven starts with a 5.30 FIP. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we don't need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Who FIP? cares? Who cares about FIP? Yeah, not me. Um. But yeah, that is uh, that's what's going on in the, in the NL wild card. It's just been continuing this way for about three weeks pretty much uh ever since pretty much ever since we got to uh campus yeah um to at springfield college um so other things happen there's another race that is uh still not still not uh cooling down whatsoever it's the american league wild card race uh we just had a huge series between the red sox and yankees Red Sox came into the series two games up on the Yankees for home field advantage in the wild card game. Uh, Yankees swept them. They are currently one game up on the Red Sox for that, uh, you know, home field home field advantage wild card spot. Red Sox are still, you know, in the wild card game if the season ended today, but they are only a game up on the Blue Jays. So, what did we think about that? Because we we watched all the games. We did. Um, what do we think about that Yankees performance and Red Sox performance? Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you always need to ask the question of whether it's Yankees good or Red Sox bad. I feel like it was a mixture of both. 
Like the Yankees got the big hits when they needed to. The Red Sox, like if you look at if you look at all the big hits that the Yankees got, and you look at the pitch locations, they're all right down the middle. Like I think Sarah Langs had that. Uh, the Yankees hit three batted balls above 115 miles an hour in one inning, like back to back to back. All three of those pitches were game day zone five. Yeah, there's not a lot of. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of chase. Yeah, there's not a lot of. Uh, Balls outside the zone no. that are going to be hit 115 miles per hour. Yeah, not not a lot of well, you got to tip your cap and yeah, <laughs> like it was just you you can't throw it there, man. Exactly. Like if you look at every Stanton home run this weekend, if you look at the the Judge double that happened after the controversial uh, strikeout foul tip. Right. Exactly. I think what this uh, I think what this series was at least the last two games of the series was uh, you know a big victory lap for everyone complaining about the Red Sox at the trade deadline mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, the bullpen uh, bullpen situation. And it's kind of what I worried about with the Red Sox before the season ever started was, you know, who's going to, who's going to come in in those high leverage situations. Um, you know, you can't rely on Whitlock every single time. He's on the IL and he's, yeah, he's on the IL right now. Um, so obviously you can't rely on him right now. And, you know, whoever came in for the Red Sox, it was all, it was, you know, heart rate increase no matter yeah. what, really. I mean, the problem is, like, you talk about the trade deadline. All the guys they got have, have not been the problem. Like, Hansel Robles legitimately has been the best reliever in baseball in the month of September, and Austin Davis has been strong, too. It's, got, it's the guys that were already established pre-trade deadline that have kind of sunk a little bit. Like, Darwin's and Hernandez gave up a home run. Uh, to he gave up the grand slam to Stanton, which you know he was hurt, but I mean he threw that one right down the middle. Exactly. Uh, Adam Onovino, you know he gave up the one last night to Stanton. Garrett Richards, who had been good as a reliever, obviously he didn't have it in the second inning of work last night. Matt Barnes obviously spiraled in August. Like yeah. it's been it's been the guys who were already there that have been the issue, not the guys that people were initially complaining about. Yeah, that was the thing. Is uh, I think. I don't have the exact stats noted down, but I believe heading into the trade deadline, the Red Sox had like the eighth best bullpen ERA. So I'm, and now since, since the trade deadline, it's gone down. It's like, it's not because they added terrible people that have made it worse. It's because the, the guys who were already good um, have decreased in, in performance. Um, But yeah, I think it's just uh, like there's, but I don't know. I don't know. Out of that Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays trio, like the bullpen, you're you're gonna be a little nervous with the bullpen, no matter what. Yeah, I mean that's gonna like I. There's not a single person that can walk out of that that Red Sox bullpen right now where I'm like, oh, thank God. Exactly. Like that does that doesn't exist. Right. Um. And yeah, the Yankees. Uh, I mean, good on the Yankees. They did exactly what they needed needed to do. They went into Fenway. They got the sweep. Uh. You know, they performed well in high leverage situations. They went four for five with runners in scoring position last night. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. The fact that you only have five uh, opportunities with runners in scoring position and you come through that often, I mean, that's a. Uh, that's a very good sign for the Yankees. For yeah, sure. like if I if you said going into that night, hey, your team is going to have five plate appearances with runners in scoring position, how many hits would you like? I would have said two. Yeah. They got four. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, one one pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um I think that I think that's 
all on that particular series. I just I love how symmetrical. I mentioned this to you. I love how symmetrical the AL wild card is right now. Like the Yankees are one up on the Red Sox. The Red Sox are one up on the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are one up on the Mariners. The Mariners are one up on the A's. And we'll only get to say that tonight because the A's and Mariners are playing each other tonight at ten. So that's going to change. Right. Uh, yeah. It is funny how how uh, just stacked everyone is. Uh, Blue Jays, meanwhile, we you know. We outlooked kind of each team's upcoming schedule. We saw Blue Jays had the Twins uh, on the uh, for four games, and we were like, "Oh, that's good for the Blue Jays." They split. Yeah. They lost the first two games, so I guess it's better to win win the last two than to lose the last two, um, rather than the other way around. So they split the series. Not the best thing. Not the worst thing that could have happened. But now it really emphasizes how important this Yankees Blue Jays series from Tuesday to Thursday will be. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we have some great series ahead. We have Blue Jays Yankees, and then we also have Phillies Braves. Phillies Braves is another good one. I think we can use that to transition into uh, the NL West or the NL East race because I think that I think the Braves could wrap up the division here. They're up two and a half games. They have a three-game series. Their magic number is five. If they win two of those three, like you might as well just lock it in. They're going to win the division. They're, they'd be up three and a half going into the final weekend. Yeah, I feel like mathematically they would be. Yeah. Yeah, they might. They might be. Uh... I just know their magic number is currently five. So if they if they win two, it would go down to one. Okay. Yeah. Do the, the Phillies must have like a four game series ahead or something? Um, maybe. Um, they play the Marlins for four, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that there's a still like a. A half game in in the standings right yeah, now. Yeah, because it's two because they lead by two and a half. Um. Yeah, it, it's this is this is do or, or no wait. This is do or die for uh for Philadelphia, um, and they've got and I think we mentioned, you mentioned before the show the pitching matchups that are going to happen and I mean, I think each for each matchup each team has who they want out there. They do. Uh, do you want to go over um? The well, the I know it coincides with like mm-hmm. our preview of the week ahead, but I mean, the it's very. It's, uh, yeah, very we'll just important. we'll just say it and we'll say it later. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday in the series opener, you have Zach Wheeler going against Charlie Morton, and then you, on the uh, in on Wednesday you have Aaron Nola versus Max Freed, and then on Thursday to finish it off uh, at seven twenty you have Kyle Gibson versus Ian Anderson. So I'm very confused. I'm trying to figure out how this is all working here because. Neither of them, like, do the Braves have a doubleheader or something, like, over the weekend? Because I'm trying to find why there's a half-game separation there. Is there another, or maybe maybe there's just a game that they never made up, and they might have, if, if there's a tie. They or, might have to figure it out, but why wouldn't they have done it today? I mean, maybe it's because of one of those teams. I don't know. Right, because I, uh, I remember in 2016 when the, uh, Red Sox were figuring out their seeding for mm-hmm. the playoffs. They were ninety three and sixty nine. The Indians were ninety four and sixty seven. So they had only played one hundred sixty one games. So the final game by the Red Sox determined whether the Indians had to play that final game, and uh, it didn't end up happening. So it might be a situation where one of those teams ends up only playing one hundred sixty one games this year. Yeah, uh, which is always fun. That's always just <laughs> it's great for OCD. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Braves are eighty three and seventy two. The Phillies have eighty one or eighty one and seventy five. They both have six games remaining, so that would mean 
Let's see. Let's test Braves. the old edition. The Bra- that would mean the Braves have another game, I think. Yeah, the Braves have another game. So there must have been a Braves-Mets or Braves-Philly. No, it has to be Braves-Mets because that's what's happening this weekend. Right, because also, yeah, the Mets had that weird COVID thing at the beginning of the year. And you know what? Yeah, that's what it is, I think. Let's take a look at what does baseball reference have for us on schedule slash results? Well, I looked at MLB.com. There's not an extra game scheduled, which is yeah, odd. I see three versus Phillies, three versus Mets. But they've played a different amount of games. So yeah. And it can't be Philly it can't be a Phillies Braves makeup because like the Phillies because they've played a different amount of games and they have the same amount of games remaining and the Mets. So the story of the NL East is the Braves might not get to play a full season. <laughs> how uh, how 2021 is that? Um, Boo. They're only going to play 161 if they, if in fact it is not you know a half game separation at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so it would be very funny to see like, imagine it's like the Braves are up one and a half or like the Braves are up half a game going to the last game and it's like they play a game against the Mets who are just <laughs> completely out of it. It's like you guys could. Force a tiebreaker game. Yeah, the Phillies. Just or you to, could just say, "Who cares? This game means nothing." The Phillies just have to be like, "Hey, you know, we'll buy we'll buy a dinner." Yeah. If you the can. Braves have to play for their life against the team that has absolutely zero incentive. Yeah, the only incentive for the organization would be to lose for a draft pick. <laughs> like, <laughs> it'd be very funny to see. Like, it'd be like in a. Uh, Game one sixty two in twenty eleven where it's like the Rays blatantly let the Yankees come or the Yankees blatantly let the Rays come back. Right. So that the Red Sox could be out. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a team a team intentionally losing against a team that desperately needs to win. Right, exactly. Um Yeah, so we figured it out. We figured out the the situation there. Um all right, I mean uh NL West. What's the NL West separation? Is it still two. Like two games? It's yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, the Giants get the Padres, and then the – who do they finish with? Um, is it Colorado, Arizona. Uh, it's got to be one of those two. Oh, no. They finish – excuse me. The Giants finish with San Diego. This week they have Arizona. Okay. So. I remember in the last episode we said Giants have a decent path. So – yeah, it would be pretty surprising if they uh, lost out. Especially, I mean, can we? Should, we should probably talk about the Padres while we're here. I mean, like this is what a what a disappointment. Um, like this is this was gonna be this was like the team of the future. This was the team that was gonna challenge the big bad Dodgers, and that just never happened. Right. Exactly. I mean, we 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 went into it a little bit uh, last episode. Yeah. On. But now they're like officially eliminated. They're, they are out. Like now they are mathematically there's like there's a no hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mathematically eliminated. Uh, yeah. Who would have, who would have thunk? I mean, yeah, it's we we talked about it a little bit, but I mean, it's we did talk about it's it. Mostly on like like it's it's not really a management thing that I can think of, unless Jace Tangler really just took a bad turn. But obviously, we're not in the clubhouse, so yeah, no, it's, it's hard to determine that. It's very interesting to see where they're going to go from here. And I mentioned on the last show, like, the Padres are going to have a bad public perception no matter what they do this offseason. So, exactly. you know, try to try to tune that out and just think for yourself, I guess. Right, right. But, I mean, you know, the public perception of the Padres is not going to be good this season. I don't care what they do. They could sign Max Serger and Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon and all the shortstops. It does, it's, people are going to be like, well... 
third place finish. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be tough for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I have no idea. I have no idea what the Padres are going to do. I mean, uh, you hope, I mean, I w- my questions for the Padres this off season are what, what's happening with Nelson Lamette? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and he just couldn't stay on the field. Like, I still think that he has the same amount of talent. He just wasn't able to stay out there. Yeah. It's just, a, it's truly a shame because mm-hmm. the Padres team could have been a, a little different with Lamette out there. You know, we were both advocating for his all MLB team, uh, inclusion, you know, inclusion, uh, last season. And, you know, he, he very well deserved to be in that conversation. And now, you know, he just had, a. Injury issues, and I hope we we hope as baseball fans that gets resolved because he is uh he's one of the better guys to do it in in baseball currently. And then yeah, I guess you I guess you know from a Padres perspective, you just hope for bounce back years from Snell and and Darvish. Um, I mean Darvish isn't getting any any younger, I guess. And then yeah, it's uh it's weird for sure. Do we want to get into players to highlight? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, so now we get into our Monday, September 27th, 2021 special edition. Not really special, but I included that as I'm trying to get the <laughs> drop. Uh, edition of... Uh... So who do you got for us today? So today on How About That, one of my last, we only have, I think, what, like two or three left at this point? Um, are we going to are we gonna do one the two day? Le- two, two left after this. Okay, two left after this. Cool. Uh, I'm going with someone who isn't necessarily as off the map as most of my How About That's. This is someone who, you know, we've talked about on this show before. Uh, he was one of my players to watch earlier, and he's someone that I've just advocated for. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. who has been performing extremely well. He has a 219 ERA over his last seven starts. And over this time, he has 60 strikeouts and five walks over 49 and a third innings pitched. At the same time, he has a 54.9% ground ball rate, which ranks sixth in the majors, uh, which means his 248 SI ERA ranks second only to Max Serger in that time. If you don't want, to, if you don't know what SI ERA is, it's FIP with a ground ball component. And when you have 60 strikeouts, five walks, and a 54% ground ball rate, SI ERA is going to be your friend, as it is with Sandy here. He is the only pitcher in the majors to throw at least 150 pitches uh, that hit above 98 miles per hour over this time, uh, and he is 205. So no one else has more than 150. He is 205, 98-mile-an-hour wow. pitches uh, over these seven starts. And also, on said pitches, he has a negative three-degree launch angle. So, I mean, the harder he throws, the more people punch it into the ground, which is awesome. He is the first pitcher in 2021 and the first pitcher in Marlins history with 60-plus strikeouts and five or fewer walks in any seven-game span, minimum 48 innings pitched. And he is the 17th, or I believe 16th player uh, in the history of baseball to do that, including names like Sandy Koufax, Fergie Jenkins, Pedro Martinez, Cliff Lee, Johan Santana, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, uh, Walker Buehler, and Justin Verlander, just to name a few who have also done it. So you said first Marlin to uh, to have 60-plus strikeouts and five or fewer walks in a seven-start span? Minimum, uh, minimum 48 innings pitched. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Shout out to Fergie Jenkins, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Obligatory Fergie Jenkins shout out. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. 
Uh, by the way, I think for when we do how about that's for uh, next week, it should only be for playoff people. Yeah. 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 I think it, we did that last year as well. It would be tough if we had like a <laughs> Cleveland player. Yeah. For slightly <laughs> alarming, especially it'd be even weirder for slightly alarming. Yeah. yeah. He's going into this off season with a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we can't do that. Uh, <laughs> my, how about that is also a right-handed pitcher. Hey. Uh, it is Frankie Montas. Not really like in the last month, more of a long-term thing. In his last 15 starts, he has a 2-3-1 ERA and a 2-8-7 FIP. Uh, out of 45 qualifying pitchers in this span, his strikeouts per nine ranks, ranks 10th, his FIP ranks 6th, and his ERA ranks 5th. That's as of yesterday. Uh, I forgot to update that. So I, I that, that's probably the same case. Uh, and this is the first 15-game span by an A's pitcher in the live ball era with 90-plus innings pitched, a strikeout rate of 28% or higher, and an ERA below 2.4. And the only other A's pitchers to ever do it, as I mentioned live ball era, were Rube Waddell and Charles Chief Bender. Nice. Frankie Montas. When you're throwing out Waddell and Bender, you know it's a good stat. He is an elite elite company not even lefty did it uh not even lefty i i, I think lefty was a little less strikeout heavy i guess I don't that's know. probably true but i mean rube waddell and chief bender like those are those are some good names to be yeah in I company mean, with when when we were doing uh when we were doing the history series and doing players particularly pit uh pitchers rube waddell got in the way of a lot of those he did statistics <laughs> like he would he was a uh, he was an absolute strikeout machine for a guy who uh pitched in like the early 1900s. <laughs> so uh yeah, Frankie Montas joining the likes of uh Waddell and Bender. So now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players and subjects that have been underperforming for our Monday, September 27th edition of uh, who do you got for us okay. today? So I have a bit of a content warning behind this one. We have a small sample size on our hands. Oh, we got we got we got a small sample size over here. We got a triple S on our hands. We got a small sample size. Call some backup. <laughs> um, I'm staying in the state of Florida, and I'm talking about Nick Anderson because he came off the IL uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's not been Nick Anderson. He only only has six innings pitched because he's only had six appearances since, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he has two walks and only one strikeout. And if you know Nick Anderson, you know he's a strikeout pitcher. Uh, he has a 450 ERA in the span. Chris, would you like to go ahead and guess his expected ERA? Ooh, uh, one strikeout and two walks. So I'm going to say 7-1-2. You're close. It's actually a 16.66. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Um. His spin rate has dropped 130 RPM from last year, and I think a lot of people are going to be quick to judge and assume it's it's sticky stuff. I'm not I'm no doctor, but I'm going to take a guess and say Nick Anderson is probably not 100%. I think he's still pitching with an injury, and I get he's trying to help his team in times like this, but uh, I just I don't know. I really feel like he might not make the playoff roster with what he's got going right now. His barrel rate against this year is 23.8%. 
And that's twenty eight point three. I'm sorry, twenty three point eight percent. Twenty three point. Still, still triple. Hence why triple average. Hence why his his expected ERA is sixteen point six six. Since he came off the IL, his three eighty two expected batting average against, his eight eighty eight expected slugging percentage against, and his five thirty two expected WOBA against, all lead the four hundred seventy four pitchers who have thrown at least a hundred pitches. He's given up nine batted balls with an expected batting average above four fifty. Only four of them have been hits. Yeah. So he's getting extremely, extremely lucky, along with not being the strikeout pitcher that he is. Uh, he's given up five barrels, and only two of them have been hits. Um, you know, like I said, I still, I my gut tells me that the elbow is still bothering him. Uh, so you know, this is not anything personal. It's not like he is worse. I think it's. I think he's just trying to, trying to pitch with an injury, and it's showing. Yeah. Came back maybe a little too soon. Nick Anderson. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that reminds me, like, I wonder what the Rays are going to do playoff, uh, roster wise. Uh, Kittredge is on the IL currently. Um, Fairbanks is good. Uh, Colin McHugh is fine. Uh, yeah. He's more than fine. Yeah. He's got like a one, three ERA or something like that. Yeah. But like, you know, in terms of health. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that uh, what that stable is going to look like this year mm-hmm. as we head into the playoffs. Because because like it's very weird to exclude Nick Anderson just just by the fact that he's Nick Anderson. But yeah. I don't know. Like this seems very concerning going forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was all M- all MLB team last year. Yeah. Uh, for reference and deserving too. If you don't know who Nick Anderson is, um, all right. So my slightly alarming is uh, someone who we're talking about in awards. Um, it's Adolis Garcia, who in his last 11 games is hitting 182 with a 419 OPS. Uh, in this span, he has 18 strikeouts, one walk, and no home runs. Uh, out of 183 qualifiers in this 11-game span, Garcia's on-base percentage ranks 179th, his slugging percentage ranks 173rd, and his OPS ranks 177th. And uh, also what should be noted is like, when award season comes around, it'll be like, you know, he's a rookie with 30 home runs. Uh, out of a out of 1,450 30 home run seasons in baseball history, Garcia's OPS thus far ranks 12th lowest of all the 30 home run seasons. So, I mean, um, it'll be interesting. If if it was most valuable rookie, he's probably more in the conversation. I think but, I think my AL rookie of the year is Class A. Yeah, Class A might be the guy. Yeah. I think he's gonna win it the same way Devin Williams won he's it. more deserving um based on like he, he's been the most spectacular as a rookie and I think that's what rookie of the year is all about he like he has some how about that's of his own which I we you've already covered him but like yeah there's some really intriguing stuff about him so Adul Adulis Garcia uh, but yeah, rookie of the year, pretty interesting, and yeah, Class A looks like a viable like candidate guy, for sure. Um, and shout out to uh, Luis Garcia, who's been doing pretty much the exact same thing. It's very weird; like he's just been just almost too consistent. Yeah, like it's his ERA is always between like three point two and three point four. Yeah, it's just been that way. The it's like he'll just year. go out there, he'll pitch like six and a third, and give up like two runs. Yeah, <laughs> like it's he's just very quietly having a really good season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, With, like, you know, somewhat normal-looking strikeout numbers. Like, nothing too crazy. Like, maybe, you know, seven to eight strikeouts per nine. Yeah, like, I don't even know, like, how to describe it. It's 
He's got 150 innings, 323 RA, 351 FIP, 9.6 strikeouts per nine. Oh, that's much better than I thought. I mean, he's he's good. <laughs> he's not he's not spectacular, but he's very good. <laughs> and uh, Astros should be very happy to have him in the playoff rotation. Yeah, like I was thinking about it last night. Who are the Astros gonna throw out there against? Likely the White Sox. Like it's it's McCullers who's had walk issues lately. Uh, it's Garcia. It's yeah, yeah. So, so Framber Valdez. So, uh, Granky. Who are these rookie of the year finalists going to be? Like, so he, he, I think it's Gar- I think it's going to be Garcia, Garcia, and Classe. Yeah, I agree. Like Wander, Wander could have gotten it if he didn't get hurt, but that that happened unfortunately. It'll be interesting how that goes because voting is happening soon. Yes. Obviously, they announce it in mid-November, but voting will be happening soon. Um, all right, so that does it for players to highlight, and now we will get into. Uh, Preview of the week ahead. I mean, it's it's pretty simple what you got to look at. Uh, we yeah. preface both of these series. Um, Daniel will go into the day by day matchups, but series wise, uh, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Braves, Phillies. Uh, it's obvious why you need to watch them. What do you got for day by day matchups? Yeah, uh, for not a lot on the docket today, but at eight forty, you have uh, Herman Marquez pitching for the Rockies at home against the Nationals. Uh, Marquez, one of the best reverse split seasons in Rockies starting pitcher history. Probably the best one ever, if you if you ask me. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> I, I went over that with you. He's absurdly better home than he is on the road, which is not common. And then tonight at 10, you have one of our favorites, the don't throw it above 91 miles per hour matchup of Cole Irvin versus Chris Flexen in A's Mariners. It's going to be in go. Seattle. It's going to be a late one. Some corner painters. Yeah, we do. On Tuesday, you have Jamison Tyon versus Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, going in Yankees versus Blue Jays. You have Brandon Woodruff versus Adam Wainwright in Brewers-Cardinals. Normally, that'd be the matchup of the night, but that has there's absolutely nothing uh, of substance in that matchup because both teams pretty much know exactly where they stand. Yeah. Like, the Brewers have already clinched the two seed. The Cardinals have basically already clinched the five seed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you have... Ronaldo Lopez going for the White Sox against the Reds. He's been really under the radar this year. Aaron Savali going for the Indians against the Royals. You have our guy Jose Urquidy, another possible playoff matchup, uh, for, playoff rotation guy for the Astros going. Oh, Rays Astros is happening this week. Nobody cares because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even affect seeding. Affa- really. Yeah, it, like it, I mean, the Rays are six games up. They can basically clinch the one seed with like a win yeah. in this series. Um. Uh, the, the the Astros have a uh, magic number of two. They can win the division tonight with a or on Tuesday with a a win and a Mariner loss. Yeah. So yeah. look for that. You also have Logan Webb going for the Giants against the Diamondbacks. You have a matchup that I wish mattered: you Darvish versus Walker Bueller in Padres and Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. You have Chris Bassett and Yusei Kikuchi facing each other in A's Mariners matchup of the night. Comes once again from or comes from Phillies Braves, like I mentioned earlier. Zach Wheeler versus Charlie Morton. You also have Chris Sale going for the Red Sox against the Orioles. I should have prefaced. On Wednesday, you have ooh, that's a good matchup. I'll save that one for later. You have uh, Aaron Nola and Max Fried, like I mentioned, for the Phillies and Braves. You have Casey Mize and Michael Pineda going against each other for in, for the Tigers and Twins. You have Adrian Hauser and Miles Michaelis facing each other in Brewers and Cardinals. You have Sonny Gray and Carlos Rodon going against each other for White Sox and Reds. You have Zach Plezak going for the Indians against the Royals. Luis Garcia, like we mentioned earlier, going for the Astros against the Rays. 
You have Alex Wood going for the Giants against the Diamondbacks. Serger going for the uh, Dodgers against his former future team and the Padres. And you have Chris's How About That, Frankie Montas going against Logan Gilbert. The matchup of the night comes from Yankees Blue Jays. You have Garrett Cole versus Jose Barrios. Oh, wow. That's a good one. <laughs> that is for a good one. In the wild card, in the heat of the wild card race. That could be that we could see that matchup twice in a week. That's true. Oh, my God, that is true. Wow. They'd probably throw Ray, but I feel like he'd... Also, the thing with the wild card races is, like, like what's the timing of the... Yeah, like, Chris Sale is projected to start on Tuesday. He would also be projected to start on Sunday. Yeah, and it's... Like, like if the Red Sox haven't clinched by then, they're going to have to do something. There, yeah. yeah, like, you got to do it, and then you don't have him for the wild card game. Right. On Thursday, you have Alex Cobb going for the Angels against the Rangers. You have Corey Kluber and Robbie Ray facing each other in, in uh, Yankees and Blue Jays. You have Lance McCullers Jr. facing the Rays for Houston. You have uh, Kyle Gibson and Ian Anderson facing each other in Philly's Braves. You also have ooh, Madison Bumgarner pitching in SF. You have Shane Bieber going for the Indians against the Royals. Tony Gonsolin going against the Dodgers, or against going for the Dodgers against the Padres. Uh. What is matchup of the night? I guess it'd be whatever it is for Brewers Cardinals, right? Uh, most likely, just based on recent trends. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is funny. There are some like series that would be significant earlier in the year, but there's just places have already like Rays Astros. Like a few weeks back, that would be a great series to watch. But yeah. It's like, they know what they're doing. They're, yeah. They they know where they're going. Same thing with like Padres, Dodgers, and Cardinals, Brewers. Yeah, like it would be a great. I wish I wish those series mattered, but they really don't. It'd be a great week of baseball. I mean, the Cardinals series matters in that they have a win streak alive right now. Right, right. But like, I mean, they're going to clinch. The Brewers just clinched. Like the Brewers are going to probably put their clinch lineup out. Yeah. On Tuesday, which I don't know. I don't know. Would they? Because they clinched on Sunday, have an off day Monday, and then they come in Tuesday night after clinching on Sunday afternoon. It just depends how many reps they want to get their yeah. guys in. I mean, I guess they probably would anyway just because they – like, the Brewers are playing for absolutely nothing. Like, they know where they're going. They've already clinched. Yeah. They're going to be hosting the NL East champion. Yep, yep. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing to debate. Yeah, they'll probably throw out their starters for four or five innings. Yeah. Um, and that's You know what it. I was thinking recently? You, you mentioned to me, like, in five years, there's just going to be no qualifying pitchers, starting pitchers. Like – how realistic do you think it is that one day they just like lower the qualifier? Um, it's interesting. I've thought about this with quality starts too. Mm-hmm. Is like six innings, three three hundred runs or less. I mean, that's kind of an ancient ancient way to look at a a quality start nowadays. I would probably lower it to five innings, two hundred yeah. runs or less. I mean, like Chris Rose said, like he won't take. You know, that's the way we've always done it for an answer, and like it's clearly changing right in front of us. Yeah. So like, why why should we look at it that way still? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it might have to be, like, 0. 0.75 or 0. 0.8 innings per team. Yeah. Like, yeah. Freddie Peralta, I was looking at him earlier. He has 140 innings pitched this year. Like, he's not qualifying. Yep. Like, Luis Garcia, 150 innings. He's probably not going to end up qualifying. Like, how can you like how can you take a serious look at the pitcher leaderboards when they don't have guys like that? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, especially, like, with with ERA and such. And that's why sometimes I consider the, the non-qualified guys because it's like, yeah, you know. Like what if we made it like 130 innings pitched? Right. Well, I mean, uh, 
In a, assu- goes, assuming there's a 162 game season. Yeah, as as the season progresses, you still have to have like your your set because when you're 115 yeah. games through the season, yeah, it's 115. So you'd have to have like a point whatever innings per per uh, game team game played. But that's you know that's nerd stuff. Mm-hmm. We're all about we're all about what's you know just seeing stuff on the field, obviously. Um, so I hope, so we hope you enjoyed this one. Um, and we, uh, hope, we hope you enjoyed the Chris Rose interview. Cause I mean, that was uh fantastic. We certainly enjoyed it. We did. Um, and if you want to follow me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. And we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday we're talking all the things in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>